Robin Steve here for another exciting episode of the N64U podcast. Coming at you with high-end amateur reviews and scoring of all your favorite and unknown N64 titles. Today in episode 10, we will be taking a look at Kirby 64, the Crystal Shards. That's right, Steven. Kirby 64, Crystal Shards. It was developed by HAL and published by Nintendo. And uh, again, another one of these games that was destined for the uh, 64 disk drive add-on that never came to be. But yeah, uh, Steve, what do you what'd you think about this one? You know, I uh, I had a little bit of a tough time with this game, but um, which actually really surprised me because going into this, this game was my choice. And uh, it was a game I played quite a bit as a kid. And I remember not being overwhelmed by like in terms of loving it as a kid, uh, but I don't remember uh, outright disliking it or anything like that. Um, so I was very excited to play this uh, again in current day and uh, sad to say, but I was I was almost like aggressively disliked this game uh, playing it currently. So <laughs> aggressively. Um, I'm very... <laughs> um, you know, sometimes, though, uh, I do think it'll have give us a lot to talk about today, so I'm very excited to discuss this game. And uh, it did actually drive a real uh, a real dislike, which is the first game I think we've uh, looked at so far that has made me feel this way. Yeah. Um, Ker- Kirby is... It, it's, this was an interesting one to play, because I wouldn't consider myself, like, a huge Kirby fan in the sense that it's one of my you know, top 10 favorite franchises, but I have played a ton of the different games. And I remember from my childhood actually having a pretty lukewarm response to this game. Because of that, I was excited to see kind of how this game, how I would, uh, as an adult, enjoy it. I got to say, it's, it's definitely really unique for a Kirby game. Um, you know, up to this point, they've all been... 2D games, and there really haven't even been too many 3D Kirby games throughout its history. But this is kind of the first time that they did a, they incorporated 3D mechanics into the game. So it was definitely an interesting way in which they, the the way that the game was put together and how it was displayed. So definitely was excited to play, and I'm excited to talk about it. Awesome, me too. I I think this is going to be a uh, it's going to be a fun one. I think to talk about. Hell yeah. And with that, Steve, would you mind reminding our beautiful audience of the categories that we'll discuss today? Of course. Uh, Our categories are, as always, mechanics, how the game is structured, gameplay, how the game progresses through that existing structure, followed by difficulty, sound design, visual presentation, story, and lastly, modern day appeal. How well does this game hold up today, and is it a game you would want to play today in the here and now? All right, Rob, since um, Kirby has been a game that you've been very excited to talk about as well, uh, why don't you kick us off uh, with our first category, Mechanics? Yeah, so this is a a 2.5D platformer, which uh, coincidentally we tackled one of these last episode with Yoshi's Story. Uh, there, There aren't too many of these games, as far as I'm aware, on the N64 is... All the 3D games were becoming popular at the time, so it's interesting that we did these two ones back to back. But yeah, it's a basically uh, you're you're in a 2D world, um, or I, I guess more of a 3D world, but you're on a 2D track, and the uh, screen kind of like rotates around you as you move, and it, it's kind of like a interesting uh, 
interesting way to make the game feel a little bit more dynamic and reduce the monotony when you you're kind of like the level's kind of moving with you. Additionally, you are collecting uh, crystal shards, as the game title indicates, um, in order to help a pre, uh, in order to help you achieve uh, your overall goal in the game. Uh, additionally, uh, at the end of each level, there is some. Uh, semblance of a boss so there's different levels of boss fights as you progress through this game as well um and in terms of attacking enemies um kirby can swallow and absorb some of their abilities uh to fight back against many of the enemies that it's going to find throughout this game right and one maybe the most standout feature of this whole game is the fact that you know typically in a kirby game you'll swallow one enemy and you get the one power but in this game, it's, it's a little different where you can swallow an enemy, take their power, and then basically swallow... An, well, you don't really swallow another enemy. You, you, you take like the essence of the enemy that you just swallowed, and you throw it at another enemy, and it creates this, this weird combination. So you're now... Uh, you have double, I guess, as many powers now because you can mix and match all of these uh strange abilities that uh as far as i can tell has not been uh, i don't think they've done that in any other kirby games since i definitely i think there might have been one i'm not as familiar with the kirby series as you so I, I, i might be completely off base here but I did believe there was one Super Nintendo uh, Kirby that allowed you to do a mix, mix and matching, uh, not in the same design that you do here, where you you take out the ability and you can throw it at an enemy and combine it that way. But in, in from what I remember, it was more of a, a, a coincidental type situation if you just happen to um, inhale two different enemies at the same time. Yeah, so... I, maybe what you're thinking of, because there, there is something similar where... In Kirby's Dreamland 3, I forget if you could do this in Dreamland 2, but in Dreamland 3 for the Super Nintendo, um, you could ride animals. And Almost like a Donkey Kong vibe. Yeah, right. And there were several different, different animals that you could ride. And if you had a specific power while you rode a specific animal, it created a different power. So in a way, yeah, you you really could combine or you, you kind of could create new powers and mix and match by, you know, mixing the type of animal you were riding with the type of power that, that you had. So in, in that sense, yeah, you, you were able to do something very similar in Kirby's Dreamland three. Uh, yeah. Maybe that's what I'm confusing it with. I, like I said, I'm not, I'm not as uh strong background. Uh, I, I don't have as strong a background with this series as well. So that, that actually would make a lot of sense. Speaking of the animals, that that's one thing that I was kind of sad that they didn't have in this game because it, it was such a fun little addition to the game and uh, to not have them was, was, a, was a bit of a bummer. However, they actually do a shout out. I don't know, if Steve, if you ever mixed electricity with rock, but yes. if, you, if you did that, then you actually created the animals from the previous games. It, it was oh, kind of okay, a, I did not know that. I didn't know that that um, was from the previous game, but that makes a load of sense because you basically become like the, the stone animal. So like if you've ever played any version of Super Smash Bros, when he becomes a rock and uh, in, in I think Melee and later he becomes different characters. So I think it kind of symbolizes that almost. Right. 
Yeah, and, and un- unfortunately, it's not nearly as cool as being able to ride the animals, but it was a nice, like, uh, a nice shout out. All right. Um, that is, that, that, that is interesting. So I, I guess that is a, uh, is unique to this game. And I do think in terms of allowing a deeper, more unique, uh, move set, uh, that Kirby can be capable of. I do think that is one of the, uh, better, uh, points to this game so you know i always like a certain level of variety within a game and i do think being able to combine these abilities um does allow for a little bit more fun uh in terms of how you approach the game and uh a, an, another thing that that i wanted to mention which was kind of a interesting observation at the uh at the end of each stage you uh, you know there's like a a picnic blanket and all of your buddies that you rescue early on are sur- are surrounding the picnic blanket and they're eating food and like uh you know king ddd is eating friggin drumsticks and i always i find it funny because you have to kind of time the jump like first you pick the direction you're going to jump in and then you pick the intensity of your jump and depending on where you land you could get maybe an extra life or maybe you'll get uh, more health but it's like if you jump and you miss you get nothing and i'm sitting there and kirby's crying like tears are rolling down his face and king ddd is eating fucking drumsticks and i'm hanging on by a thread i thought that was just (laughs) wicked funny like why why don't i get all these items on this on this blanket why why am i why am i in tears right now so I, i just that cracked me up a little bit I have to admit, it took me an embarrassingly long amount of time and way too many levels before I realized exactly what was going on in those picnic-like intermissions. You know, I, I guess I just didn't notice visually that the first time you hit the A button or whatever it is to set up Kirby, I didn't realize he was rotating like left to right because the it's like an aerial view above. So for whatever reason, it just wasn't clear to me that he was rotating left to right. And... You know, you could tell when he was trying to, like, do his distance by how he'd swing his arms back and forth. So that was a little more obvious. But I right. had to have missed about, like, ten of these before I actually got one. And or realized what was going on more embarrassingly. Honestly, it's probably more embarrassing for me because I understood what was happening. And it still took me, like, ten levels before I could really, like, hone in on how to uh, get the item that I wanted. That's hilarious. <laughs> I will say, last word on on this topic, though. Um, though I didn't like this game as a whole, I do think this the the structure how they set it up here was at least a really good, well thought out idea. And I I, I don't think um, necessarily this detracted from the game. I just think their execution was a bit poor. Yeah, I I agree. All right, and with that, we're gonna get into gameplay next. Uh, Rob, you want to kick us off with that category? Yeah. So. As different as this game is from prior entries, it it still plays like a standard 2D Kirby game. You float around and you suck up enemies. And what's interesting about this game, specifically as an N64 game, is that you use the D-pad for movement. There's no analog stick allowed. Um, And apparently what I read is that this game was actually slated to use the analog stick but was changed to the d-pad like a year prior to the release uh basically because 
Yeah, they they brought the game into uh, elementary schools and had elementary school age kids playing the game, and they're just like, "Hey, we're having we're having a hard time playing this game with the analog stick." So they ended up changing it last minute, which I thought that was actually makes makes tons of sense. That there's some level of confusion behind that, and 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 though this is something I have more slated to discuss under the visual uh, category, I do think. The way they sort of forced you into the side-scrolling game, yet have it be a twisting 3D um, presentation. I can see why there's heavy confusion, especially by a younger age group, um, using that analog stick just because you're going to be trying to make it go up, down, like, or like... Not, at, you know, let's say like towards three o'clock rather than like going straight up and down, you know? Um, interesting change. Yeah, I, I agree completely. I think that if you tried playing it, uh, you know, naturally you're going to try to move the analog stick to follow the direction that you're facing. But because the camera angle is constantly uh, twisting around, you're, it's, it's going to I think that would have tanked the game completely. Yeah, I would. I actually very much agree. I think it would have it would have made it a much worse play than it already is. In terms of the the level design, specifically from a gameplay gameplay perspective, uh, I gotta say, Steve, pretty basic for the yes. most part. Uh, I had a big problem with that as well. Uh, I felt like it was way too simple in and 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 from a gameplay perspective, didn't make it interesting at all. There were on occasion some pretty creative obstacles and and as you progress through the game it does get more difficult especially like after stage three and like the last uh you know stage four five and six definitely become noticeably more difficult than than previous stages and the obstacles get a little more creative but for the most part it's uh you know walking through your typical environments like your volcanoes, your jungles, your underwater levels. But I will say they do manage to sprinkle in some of those like surreal, nonsensical Kirby worlds, which I think gave this game a little bit more charm. Unfortunately, I feel like a lot of those levels are closer to the end of the game and you kind of start off playing some of the more like cookie cutter type worlds, which, you know, you, you're not going to keep your audience hooked if you start off with all the lame stuff and you save the good stuff for the end. So I I do think though, they do a good job early on, at least bringing in some of that uh, classic Kirby lore, Uh, your typical tree fight that you're going to see in every single Kirby game uh, is, is has to be within the first three, three or so levels. So I do like in terms of gameplay, they kind of kept a little bit of that classic vibe. Um, Again, and I and I harp on this a lot, but I just I just think they really dropped the ball in the ex- overall execution of the of the gameplay. You know, a big attraction for me on, on this game as a whole um, is pace and speed of of how Kirby moves. You know, side scroller games for me, I think it is essential. And maybe just the era of side-scroller games that we grew up in, and I always like look back as like my ultimate side-scroller game was Super Mario World on on Super Nintendo, and you you can go run through a game like that with a certain amount of speed while still maintaining a higher difficult game. I think the way Kirby sixty four really progresses in this side scroll, 
Kirby moves so slowly. Even if you look back at some of these previous Kirby games like that you saw on Super Nintendo, Kirby could progress throughout each level with a certain level of speed and confidence. I feel just Kirby moves so slowly through this that the gameplay seriously suffers as a result it really slows you down um you know i I like to play at a faster speed even if i end up dying a lot in these type of games just kind of how i enjoy playing this type of game and and i do think um the pace of the character and and that in this in each level um was something i couldn't get over you make a good point with mario because when when you think of like the classic Mario games, like uh, like Mario Lost Levels is is one of my favorites, and you you get to choose. You know, do you want to just hold down the run button and try to America your way through the the stage, or do you want to play it a little bit slower because you know you want to be really meticulous with your movements? You you get the choice, and uh, Kirby sixty four does not give you that choice. Uh, and it really can make the game feel like a slog at times. And honestly, I think if there's anything that's going to be the biggest deal breaker for anyone for this game is if, if you don't like slow games, if you don't have the patience for it, uh, you know, this, this is not your game. That said, this game is definitely a vibe. So if you're looking for a, a relaxing game that you can, you know, kind of slowly make your way through and you like experimenting with all of the different uh all the different power combinations which is something that i really enjoyed that was probably my favorite part uh then you might really like this game it's funny you bring up the power combos I, i i just didn't find those as fulfilling as i thought they would be I loved it, dude. I loved mixing and matching and seeing like which ones were my favorite. And I had like a little list in my phone of my favorite ones. And I gotta say, uh, the I don't. Did you ever get the exploding ninja star? Because that was by far the fucking coolest power that you could use. I will give you that. That was the most interesting weapon. Because the other thing cool about that is it's like it's kind of hard to time how you use that one because it's invisible until it hits something. And if it doesn't hit something, you don't really see it at all. So that was an interesting, I'll I'll give you that, that, that was an interesting weapon. I just, I don't know. I, I was expecting, I feel like in older Kirby games, there was a better, uh, setup with the whole ability weapon system in terms of, um, how Kirby sort of absorbed them from other characters. You know, I feel like the abilities that he absorbed in the Super Nintendo games, he was able to, and and maybe it was just like out of tech necessity in terms of how they developed this game, but he basically would spit back the exact same version of that weapon uh, when he himself used it. In this game, I really don't like how they sort of generalize uh, the weapons as a whole. And, and now let, let, let's forget about the combo element for a minute. I, I didn't like that there was such a large variety of the same type of weapon for having like five or six different enemies might give you that same, you know, boomerang weapon. And, and I also just didn't like, and this again, maybe points a little bit more to the visual section it was later. I didn't like that Kirby got his own version of that ability. I, I, I almost wish that he had the exact weapons that they had because they looked cooler. And I don't know. It just it was it, it's more fun that way for me. So I, it didn't it, it didn't excite me at all. This whole this weapon system as a whole. I think they had a great idea. 
you know, how they set this up and how they structured it. It just, I really think they dropped the ball on the execution, you know, even in terms of, again, more of a visual commentary, but in the Super Nintendo version games, when they showed the card of whatever ability you were carrying, it was interesting and it was like reflective of whatever enemy you had taken in Kirby 64. It's just shapes. You know, I got the triangle as one ability, you know what I'm saying? So I don't know. I just think they sort of dropped the ball there. So I know we both disagree on that, but that was a big detractor for me. Yeah. I, I will say that what's unfortunate with the experimentation is that not every power is good. So the thing with old Kirby games is, you know, you you're going to get what you're going to get. You know what's coming when you uh, swallow one of those like uh, parasol uh, waddle D things floating through the sky. Like, you know what yep. you're going to get in this game. It's when you when you experiment. And, and yeah, this is a byproduct byproduct of experimentation, right? Like sometimes you're not going to get the the uh result that you want but it's unfortunate when you go through the trouble of okay you have a really nice power that you really enjoy like say the like weird darth maul style double lightsaber thing you're like oh this is awesome but i want to see if i can get something cooler so you get rid of it and then you have to try like four or five other combinations before you get anything that's nearly as cool because some some of the powers aren't aren't great and again you know it's a byproduct of the experimentation but uh that i can see that aspect of it you know getting getting a a less than stellar result out of a combination i could see that being a huge bummer i i totally agree in a lot of ways this was a very uh experimental game like not even just in 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 the gameplay like i think throughout throughout other categories like visually this was a uh you know, really like experimental game. Gameplay itself was experimental. Um, but you're totally right. I think they almost just went too far with that experimental mentality. And as a result, nothing worked cohesively together. Um, so, yeah, I do think, yeah, I agree. I, I definitely think this was a very heavily experimented idea and what they put out there. And I think you got a poor result um, by doing it that way. One thing that I think would have made this game better and and the all the experimentation and all of the kind of the slow pace is if the game the actual game itself the story mode had a multiplayer option because you had that in uh some of the Super Nintendo ones and those were so fun because of that you know I I remember playing Kirby's Dreamland 3 as a kid with a second player and just having the most fun doing that. And I think that that, that would have gone a long way to I agree. make this game more exciting. I, I actually agree. I do think that would have added another element to it because let's say you did design it. So it was capable of two people. I, I, I think even if you played one player in some of those old Kirby games, you basically had a trailing uh, computer fall. You correct? Yeah, you could. Ex- exactly. If you, if you, uh, if you played say, um, uh, Kirby's Dreamland Three, or uh, I forget the one for Game Boy Advance. But you, you can you don't even need a second person to play. You can have a computer play the character for you. Granted, the AI was just so terrible, so you're often better off not uh, 
even bothering with the second player, but you had that option, which was would, was was definitely helpful. It's almost like having Tails and Sonic, not overwhelmingly helpful, mostly dies half the time, but still fun. <laughs> I will say that there is, uh, and you you uh, warned me of this ahead of time. There is a multiplayer option, and that is in the uh, they have. They have uh, mini games, kind of, and these were actually wicked fun. I I played those against some computers, and you can play as Kirby, Waddle D, King DDD, and that weird painter kid. You can pick one. Yep. <laughs> you can pick one of the four of them and play their three different mini games, and they're like kind of fun. It kind of reminds me of Pokemon Stadium, where it's like they. Uh, I don't know if you ever played that one, Steve, but that has mini games too, and they're also like weirdly fun. So it's it's interesting to. Like you could completely miss that. Like I wouldn't even wouldn't have known that they were there unless you had told me beforehand. You know, I never really played Pokemon Stadium, so I can't like I, I did, but like not seriously. I never owned that game. Um, so I can't compare it to that. But I will say this as much as I really do slam this game and I think this game deserves it because the game is at its forefront, a one player adventure game and the multiplayer is secondary. But even as a kid, that was the only element I really remember loving. Like, I loved that, like, those three, it's like three mini games. There's one where everyone's standing on this, like, checkerboard in the sky, and you're trying to uh, eliminate rows to make people fall out of the sky, and last man standing wins. Um, they also have, like, a, a it's kind of, it's, it's a... Almost like a, like a, a hand-eye coordination-reliant game where you have to, like, jump, like, to the end of a race, and you either hit A or B, does, like, one jump or two jumps, and, like, the environment changes, and you race against everyone else. Um, those two games in particular I thought were loads of fun and actually the best component of this game. I felt that way as a kid, and I, I spent some time um, beating all these mini games again now, and I still would agree. I still think that's the best part of this whole game. They could have easily been uh Mario Party mini games like they're exactly quality to me I Mario Party is one of my favorite series of all time and I totally feel like that could have fit right into that type of game but yeah I think that was the best personally I think that was the best element of the gameplay overall which is unfortunate and I think an indictment actually on the one player game itself um I know you may disagree but I definitely think this was the best portion of the game I thought um one last kind of positive for me is, and I guess a little negative uh, built into the comment as well, is I thought the boss fights were pretty fun. The mini boss fights were painfully lame, which were basically just like bigger versions of enemies that you were just, you would fight in the stage itself. But the main boss fights, I had a lot of fun with for the most part. Uh, and I thought that was pretty standout. See, I feel a little differently about the boss fights, but I do think the point retain pertains more to difficulty than it does uh, gameplay, so to speak. Um, so I'll save it for us getting into that category next, if, uh, if, if you want to jump right into that. Yeah, let's go into it. All right, so for difficulty, and, and since, since we're on the topic of the boss battle, for me, I actually hated the boss fights uh in this game and i think it's it, it it goes directly to how easy and how predictable each of these bosses felt for me and, uh in addition to that for many of the bosses if you just happen to have the correct weapon set it like 
took an easy boss and made it even easier. And I hate games that spoon feed you. And I really think each boss battle felt like a gimme. You know, there's only a couple battles that I can truly think of that I really had a overwhelmingly hard time with. And it wasn't even in terms of like the boss itself was was interesting or 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 overly difficult it was like oh crap i died the first time and now i basically have no weapons to attack them and i have to survive off what they give me in during the boss battle so i don't know it was um it was way too easy for me and, and for that reason i really i disliked a lot of the boss battles as a result well for me the thing with the difficulty of this game is yeah this game can be very easy but the game gives you the opportunity to choose how easy you want the game to be. Do you, do you want to fight the bosses without any weapons? Because it's a lot harder that way. And yeah, if you, if you have like the exploding ninja star, you can just destroy everything. And, and of course the game's easy because you have the best power. But you have the opportunity, if you're playing a game that's too easy, you can make this game a little more difficult, say by not absorbing any powers at all, for example. I, I just don't think for me it makes it that much more fun. You know, I, I like to be able to use the really cool weapon and also take a really long time to beat the guy. Um, that would just be my, my counter. Um, because overall, like, if I have to whittle myself down to, to nothing, um, where, where's the fun in that really? You know, you're playing bare, but I mean, some people enjoy that bare bone style. I don't know. I like to get the really powerful weapon and also face a really powerful boss. Right. Yeah. That, that does make sense. You know, I, if I was playing that game and I didn't have the lightsaber or like the fire sword or like the, the, the fire uh, sword fight. was like almost unfair. Yeah, it was, it was pretty sweet. I, I think you could also like hold it above your head or something <laughs> like that. too. So you were just like covered from. Uh, oh, no, that was the one. The fire sword you could throw and it would just you like could, hurtle you could across also the hold screen and murder everybody. You could also hold it above your head. So like you just hold it straight up and it's huge and like just walk across the course and it kills everything that comes near you. And then and then I agree. And then you could throw it and it's just a straight line on a side scrolling game killing everything. Yeah. Then there's like the, the ice skating one I thought was pretty like overpowered too, where you just like ice skate through the level and just like murder everything. It was funny though. I will at least say that. Yeah. That one was funny. Yeah. If you strip all that stuff away, then what you have is an even worse game than uh, if it was, I'd rather the game be painfully easy and get to use all the really fun power ups than to, uh, you know, slog through it with, with nothing for sure. I hope that uh, it was made this easy, that their intent was to be maybe a kid's game. And to be honest with you, I wasn't really sure going into this game. Like, was this intended to be a kid's game? Was it not intended to be a kid's game? And then you told me earlier that they, uh, you know, are testing it on uh, a younger age group. And that's how they changed the control. So maybe this always was intended to be uh, for kids similar to like Yoshi's story. Um, and maybe that is why it's so painfully easy, but uh, I don't know. Just, I, I hate easy games. Like really, really like games that I breeze through like that. It does nothing for me. Yeah. I mean, one thing to keep in mind too, is that the Kirby series in general is typically easy. Um, there, there are certainly games that are harder than others, but overall 
the the Kirby games are generally easier. So that's definitely something that uh, if you're listening and you're not aware of that, you know, it, it, and you're looking to pick up a Kirby game, that's generally what you have to look forward to is kind of like they, they kind of exchange the easy or the difficulty for a more kind of like like I said earlier, the game's kind of more like a vibe, you know, you play and it's pretty and the music is nice and it's slow paced and uh, it's just kind of a nice thing to kind of kick up your feet and play and not not have to worry about uh, atrocious difficulty. Yeah, it, it definitely it definitely was not atrociously difficult. And I, I do think it does lend itself to a more casual play for sure. You know, you could actually like, you know, have the TV on in the background while, while cruising through this game, which it was nice. Right. And another another thing in terms of its difficulty is the the game's pretty short too. You can you can get through it in just a a few hours. Uh that said, and I I don't know if well, well you said you didn't make it to the end, so you wouldn't Yeah, have I I stopped this, playing but, at about the 60% mark and I was going to actually ask you this, but is the percent based off the amount of crystals you collect or is it based off of the levels you progress through because i think the last level that i completed was the uh i beat the level with the shark boss and then i think i might have played one or two levels after that oh no no i beat the uh like the 3d diamonds uh were the last thing i beat oh see i liked that boss fight i thought that one that one actually i'll give it to you on that one that one actually did have a a mild challenge in it well that's because they they were able to, you know, they put the boss in the center of the map and then you're on like a circular track around the boss, avoiding obstacles like that was a cool way to shake up the boss fight with, uh, you know, while still uh, staying true to the mechanics of the game. You know, they should have done more stuff like that. I agree, actually. I- I-, I actually think that's exactly why that was one of the few boss battles that I really liked, because honestly, and, and and this is a point more towards visualiz- visualization for me, but I do think because they were being so adventurous in this 3D element, it really lended for some cool uh, mechanics. Like Because the visuals were almost a mechanical component to this game, which is not something I think I've ever really said before about any game we've played or looked at. The The one thing that I wanted to mention before it got lost was, uh, yes, the amount of crystal shards you have it dictates your percentage your completion percentage okay and to get the 100% ending you actually need to collect every single crystal shard on every level which is ridiculous because some of them they're like so obscurely located and they're not necessarily clear all the time uh, the the biggest problem is cuz you can actually backtrack to a degree in this game you can go if you're in a if you go to uh, through a door you can go back through it but uh at certain points in the level, you're not able to go back into the volcano afterwards to to grab a crystal that you missed. So it it forces you to replay the level, which you know for the masochist collectors, uh, that that's a nice thing. And normally I put myself in that camp, but uh, I couldn't imagine just because the game is. I, I like collectathon games, but this game didn't make it particularly fun. That's a huge indictment coming from you, I think. Yeah, I mean, well, let's take Banjo-Kazooie, for example, which, you know, obviously comparing any game to Banjo-Kazooie is unfair, but 
at least when you're when you're trying to get a jiggy, there's some sort of like task involved in 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 doing it. And in Kirby, you just have to like float off the screen in the right direction to find one. So it's 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 more of like a you know you're doing a lot of just kind of searching every corner of the map. And because of how slow the game is, it's really just not fun to do. So the thought of trying to hundred percent this game to me is just sounds like a nightmare. I honestly am I'm. I'm not surprised to hear you say that because just from having played this game myself, like I agree with every point you've made, but knowing that that really is one of your favorite things to do for most games that we play or look at, um, I think that actually speaks volumes in, in terms of like how fun the game actually is. If you like look at the bare bones of it. Yep. I agree. Um, I'd like to, if you're okay with it, Rob, jump into our next category of story. Um, and I'll, I'll let you take the lead on this one. I don't have a ton to say myself on this particular category. I think it was kind of, you know, your standard Kirby storyline. Um, so if you want, let's jump into that one. Yeah. So the story here, it's pretty bare bones. And for the most part, the story is told through cutscenes. There really isn't any dialogue as far as I can tell. And the 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 antagonist uh and i didn't even i didn't pull this information from playing the game which is kind of a negative mark on this game is i had to read good old wikipedia to understand what was going on in the story but basically there's the antagonist dark matter invades a planet of fairies called ripple star and their sacred crystal is shattered so the fairy that we see, whose name is apparently Ribbon, is able to escape to Popstar where uh, Ribbon finds Kirby to help find the crystal fragments and then defeat Dark Matter. So that's basically the overarching idea of the game. And the story uh, is, I forget if I said this or not, but it's basically told through the cutscenes themselves. I, I think... Uh... Overall, this game, they were so adventurous and in, in experimenting in so many areas. I think they just sort of let the story go by the wayside, which at the end of the day, I actually have no problem with for this particular game. I don't think I, I don't think the story had to be important for this game. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone plays a Kirby game expecting a stellar story. And unfortunately, stories are one of the things that I think Nintendo does not do well generally with their franchises. Agreed. When you think to mario uh or donkey kong you know there a lot of these a lot of the you know the yoshi games there there's not there's there's never really a good story there you know you gotta you gotta play a zelda game or sometimes like a um a metroid game if you want to have like a cooler story but for the most part nintendo i think kind of falls flat most of the time uh and and this game is no exception but like you said i don't think anybody's playing this game expecting like a citizen kane or anything you know <laughs> exactly exactly you know like i play mario not for the content uh i play it for the exciting adventures in each level <laughs> and to stomp on some fucking goombas i don't need to know where this goomba came from <laughs> so i i have a comment and i i don't know where i was trying to figure out where to put it in Ooh. my uh it, 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 you 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 spoke earlier about the trees, and I just had to mention that you know you you fight the same goddamn tree in every Kirby game, 
What like what is Kirby's beef with the trees? I think it sends a bad message and it doesn't seem like this tree's doing anything wrong. It seems like we're in this tree's forest and he's just defending himself. So like like what what is Kirby's does Kirby like hate trees or is it just this one particular one? I don't know. Kirby's very anti-environmentalist, I would say. You know, he's an outer space being is what I've gathered, so he just he, I guess he just hates the environment. He just doesn't have any respect, I think. You know, he's he's riding his star around and then he lands on a planet and he's just like, you know, I I just don't give a shit about this tree, I guess. I don't know. It's just he runs through, he's like he murders all of the inhabitants of these various planets. And I think we're supposed to be cheering him on, but when you really look back, it's like these I think these guys were just like going for a walk. You he's know invading I mean? his space. And when you really <laughs> when you really think about it too, the the process of like swallowing an enemy and like absorbing their soul basically to like absorb their essence or whatever. Like Kirby's kind of a dark concept when you really sit down and think about it. They're going to make a, like, like a, like a R rated version of this game one point, you know, cause you know, alien oh God, like coming a, in and like sucking humans abilities. Honestly, like, yeah, like a DC version of just like the overly dark edgy version of kirby i'd i'd pay money to see that me too yeah so you know i went off the rails a little bit there. that's so fine that's, that's fine i can bring us back <laughs> we're gonna get back on to it and we're gonna jump let's get a into, good let's get a good segue steve i, I agree I'm gonna, I'm gonna i'm gonna help us transition here that's what that's what i'm here for and we're gonna go right into <laughs> visual presentation because you know there wasn't a whole hell of a lot to talk about the story so i do actually think uh there is tons to talk about in the visual presentation. I will say that we've touched on a lot of it. A lot of my points um, revolved around the 3D element of it and sort of how it like intertwined itself both in gameplay and in mechanics. Um, so I can leave some of those uh, to the side since we've already discussed it. But I do want to bring up um, one point that I did uh, feel important to mention was that because this 3D concept was very revolutionary for N64, you know, at, at the time, you didn't really see a lot of this, like, 3D side-scroller thing. Like this, this, to me, is the only thing that I've ever seen on N64 like this. I can't really think of too many games that have implemented this style. And, you know, that's, that's in part because... 3D was the, the name of the game at that point, and people weren't bothering with the, the 2D stuff, but I, I definitely can appreciate how Kirby, uh, you know, the developers went out of their way to create kind of like a new experience. And I, and I agree, I, I can't really think of anything similar to it off the top of my head. And I, I think that was the best part of this game. I think in terms of all the experimentation they did, this was the best piece to come out of it. And actually, I give them tons of props. It made it feel like a completely different uh, game. Like, you know, I, like I said, I can't, I can't think of another game that has used the environment as a mechanic. And um, it made it interesting. I do think it did lend itself to have some scenery be a little bit more bare bones, um, purely because they were being so adventurous. You know, how much can you really do at that early era of this idea? See, I actually think that the stages and the backgrounds, I thought they were very imaginative and very well executed. I wouldn't I wouldn't say they weren't imaginative. I just I think they were wasn't as much going on as other games we've looked at. And I, I, and I think that's just more maybe recency bias for some of these adventure games that we have played. I felt like it was it was, you know, 
interesting in terms of what they did, but there wasn't a whole heck of a lot for me. I, 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 I don't know. Maybe we just differ there. I, I think that definitely as the game progresses, you, you see a lot more of that imagination, like that really classic, surreal Kirby style is more represented closer to the end of the game rather than the beginning where you're spending a lot more time, uh, you know, on an island or like in a volcano where, yeah, I, I admit that those stages were uh, a little more bland. They they slow played it too much with some of this stuff. And I think you and I have talked about this in other games we've played, but like, you are right. They made the game at the end too too heavily exciting, you know, in, in a way. Um, they didn't give you enough at the beginning to keep you interested all the way through. Like, truthfully, the only reason why I didn't finish this game is because I was just so damn bored halfway through, um, to be frank. So I do think they got to give you a little bit more. They got to give you a little bit more, like, fat on the bone at the beginning of this game to keep me interested. Yeah, I honestly, I think around, like, stage four out of six, I was like, I can't play this game anymore. I can't. I have to stop. It's, it's killing me. Agreed. Uh, I get that. I, but I was, but I, at the same time, I was just interested enough in experimenting with all the powers and just try because things were starting to get pretty interesting. The stages were starting to get weird uh, and and surreal. So I was like, okay, I I gotta just keep going. I'm gonna slog through and just see what happens. And the back half of the game is definitely considerably better than the first half and if they were to kind of just if the quality if the quality of the game was more in line with the back half of the game i think it would have been uh, a a much better game overall i see i play video games like i listen to music if, if i'm not if you're not drawing me in in the first quarter of it i am out i am not gonna finish like it's just it's the worst yeah that's i i generally and i feel like a lot of people are are this way when i listen to a record uh the you know the first song really sets the stage for the album and you know if the first song sucks i'm not gonna not listen to the next few tracks but i agree you know it, it really it really sets the pace and i i think that's kind of yeah this is where the game falls flat but at least the cutscenes look really good if there's anything to talk about uh from a visual perspective i think that was one of the uh, more impressive parts of the game is they they did a really good job with the animation of the cutscenes and in general they they looked really great so I, I'll give them a thumbs up for that. Good. And with that, let's get into sound design next. Um, for me, I uh, I felt very neutral about this particular game soundtrack. Um, didn't excite me. Didn't make me dislike it. And I think in a slower paced adventure game like this, I think not hating it is overall plus um so i kind of went a little middle of the road in terms of how i felt about the sound i definitely think it kept in line with your classic kirby soundtrack um and for that i give them credit i actually really liked the sound in this game um you know it's not the best soundtrack i ever heard but the music is really upbeat and i think that really helps when you're playing the, you know these really slow games it helped at least that the music was really fast tempo, upbeat. And honestly, the only thing that I would have to say negatively, neg negatively about this game is that the uh, they recycle tracks a little bit too much. 
Definitely. I, Definitely I, recycled that, that, tracks that, is what I noticed too. Yeah, because the, the tracks that they had were great. You know, they had some classic Kirby stuff. They also had some weird stuff again, like in the last like couple worlds, they, they, they got a little crazy with the music as the level, as the worlds got a little crazier. Uh, but overall they, they recycled tracks just a little too much, which made what was an amazing soundtrack seem a little bit more dull. Uh, but otherwise I'd say the, the tracks themselves standalone, I thought were, were pretty great and, and helped to, uh, increase the, uh, intensity of the game a little bit. It definitely, they made a wise attempt to make it a little fast paced. Like I said, you can't have that slow paced game with a slow paced soundtrack. So uh, like I said, I give them credit there. And I, like I said, because I feel middle of the road on it, I think that's ultimately a really good thing for this game. Yeah. Right. Like if you, if you really don't like a game, like sometimes the, the middle of the road is, can be a a good thing in a way. Oh, I agree. I agree. Less stuff to hate. For sure. It makes it, it makes it, it makes it uh, less detestable. (laughs) Nice. All right. And with that, let's get into finally modern day appeal. I'm going to let Rob start this one out because I kind of think you guys might have a vibe uh, or an understanding of where I'm at with this particular game. Yeah. So as far as the modern appeal goes, the, the positives are that the game looks good and sounds good. The cutscenes are cool and give you kind of like a more modern feel. The combination of powers, although up to debate on this podcast, I thought the experimentation was cool and it was a nice little feature, fun to mess around with those. Uh, and I guess this is probably a great game to play with your kids if you're trying to get your kids into retro games. But that's probably where my praise stops and the rest of the game is as we said before is very slow uh they try they try to make the game a little more interesting by uh rotating the camera angle around you they have the upbeat soundtrack you know they're trying their best to make this game really dynamic but at the end of the day it's a bit of a slog and if if you like games that are you know a vibe and uh atmospheric you might like this one but if if you don't like slow games then you're probably not going to like this one very much for me of uh of the 10 games that we played so far on this podcast this was by far my least favorite game and i think as a result I, i see very little modern day appeal in it for adults or even for kids and uh i think it's interesting timing too because i was reading somewhere today that actually this is coming out on to the switch uh n64 pack later this month so interesting timing to see it come out uh especially with us doing this now but i just don't see it you know i think it was so experimental for the time that i think it helped tech wise progress maybe other games forward uh into a good direction but there was way too much new stuff going on in this game overall and they never surround themselves with like a cohesive uh a, co- a, co- a cohesive game really you know it feels sort of disjointed in sort of how they uh, attempted to tackle this game in many ways um it was too slow for its own good i think especially today i think you see even more uh, of kids wanting to play a fast-paced game they don't want to sit there and really struggle through you know uh level by level and not because of difficulty you know this is a 
extraordinarily easy game that might take a bit of time purely because it's a, it, like Rob said, it's a slog. So for me, I just, I just, I would not recommend this game in any modern day scenario that I could see. Yep. And as, as you said, it's coming out on the switch soon, which I swear we did not plan. Total luck with that one, actually. Yeah. So when that game comes out, I mean, if you got the, the expansion pass for the switch online, like I definitely recommend trying it at least and, and maybe it's for you and maybe not, but, uh, if you're anything like Steve Jalbert, it's not. Not at all. And with that, <laughs> I'm going to just give you my final score. Uh, as you can imagine, this was actually my lowest rated game so far on this podcast. And I actually came in with a 2.1, uh, taking massive hits both on uh, gameplay and difficulty. I think those were the biggest um, biggest components of the game that really hurt it. You know, uh, wasn't fun at all. And it really, really brought um, brought the score down for me. Yeah, I, I came in a little bit higher at a 3.1, and uh, although I did enjoy this game a little bit, it really, to me, was pretty pretty middle-of-the-road game. Uh, I did have to, like, hype myself up and force myself to finish it, which is not a good sign when it comes to a video game. You know, you should want to play it, not force yourself to finish it. And that gives us a combined score for Kirby 64, the Crystal Shards at 2.6, the official N64U rating uh, of this game and in our lowest score to date. And with that, we've reached the end of another episode of the N64U podcast. If you enjoyed this show, please like us on Facebook via our N64U, a retro gaming podcast page, or follow us on Instagram for all of our latest updates and announcements. And don't forget to subscribe and rate slash review us on your favorite podcasting app, which will keep you up to date on our latest episodes and help us reach more lovely people such as yourself. And if you have any questions or comments, please shoot us an email at n64upodcast at gmail.com and we'll read it out on the show. This is Rob and Steve signing off from your home for all things N64 here at the N64U Podcast. Thanks for listening. King DDD is eating fucking drumsticks and I'm hanging on by a thread.